0: Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, where you eat and we talk. Hey, geesokalakis. Hey, Kelly Street. What's on the menu today?
1: Ooh, today we are going to be diving into testing, analyzing, and insights for legal marketing.
0: That sounds pretty boring.
1: (laughs) It's kind of a mouthful, pun intended. Hmm. But the reason that we chose this particular topic is that testing, analyzing, insights can be kind of a, an unknown, kind of like, ooh, what's that out there? And what am I supposed to be looking for? And so we want to let you guys know all of the things you should be testing, analyzing, and the uh, insights you should be looking for.
0: And if you don't measure what you eat, your pants might not fit.
1: So grab your lunch and listen in to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, The Reboot.
2: Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing with your hosts, Key Sokolakis and Kelly Street, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here on Legal Talk Network.
0: So should we dive into testing, comma, analyzing, comma, and insights for legal marketing?
1: Yes, let's do.
0: So what the heck are we talking about?
1: Ooh. Well, we're talking about a few different things when it comes to testing, analyzing insights. First and foremost, We will go into some different ways that you can actually test your different marketing methods to see if you're getting the results you want out of them. Then we will talk about, or in addition to, we will talk about how to extract the information you want and kind of ignore the information that's not really going to matter. And then what you can learn from the different marketing methods you're using, how not getting the results that you want doesn't necessarily mean failure. It means that things need to go a little bit different the next time.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, for me, when I start thinking about testing measurement protocol, you know, obviously I I tend to lean towards like the internet marketing side of things, but it always reminds me of that old Peter Drucker quote, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. And so, so many lawyers seem to be get frustrated about, well, you know, I think some of this is working, some of this isn't working. How do I know? Show me what's working. Show me the results. Show me the money. Whatever kind of of cliche you want to say. That's, I think, to me, is the jumping off point for today's episode.
1: Indeed. So how do you know if your content is working? Let's start there. Uh, You have a blog post or even just your homepage on your website. How do you know that that's doing anything for you?
0: Right. So I think one of the things that people need to think about before they even start answering that question is, what are they trying to do? right like what does working mean for you because there are there are a bunch of different objectives you might try to achieve with your content or your blog post or whatever else and so a couple examples of those that uh, you might think about are one is did it generate a fee right so like that's more of the kind of direct response line of measurement you uh, write something you publish it online People share it, get in front of the right people. It gets indexed by a search engine. Someone clicks on your post or your page, and then they either call you or you know submit a contact request. And then hopefully you've got that hooked up so that you can actually measure that conversion event back to your content. But the other thing is is that that's just one way that a client might come to you, whereas. There are all sorts of other objectives you might have for publishing online or for really any kind of content. And I think it's important that you're defining those in advance so that uh, you know what success looks like and you actually can say, this is what working is to me, and now I can figure out how to measure that.
1: Okay. So you said a key word there, Guy, Tracking. I know I look to you for a lot of this and kind of um, helping me put measurements in place for the things that we are doing at AttorneySync. So can you talk a little bit more about tracking, specifically kind of the maybe URL parameters, that sort of thing?
0: Sure, so the easiest thing to think about for tracking on the web is web analytics, right? So the most common web analytics platform that most of us use is Google Analytics. And that's going to track how people find your website, and your pages, and what they do once they get there. So where they navigate, what they click on, that kind of stuff. So analytics kind of runs in the background, which is nice for tracking uh, the user behavior on your site. But unfortunately, it doesn't come perfectly configured out of the box. So sometimes, depending if you're doing a particular campaign, say you want to track, oh, people from my email campaign that I'm using MailChimp for. I want to drive people back to my website and measure the impact of those campaigns. You might need to manually add URL parameters, which a short version, a short non complicated, hopefully not complicated, as as non complicated as I can say it off the top of my head is that they change the URL to pass information to web analytics to tell them a little bit more information. So you might say this is from a specific campaign, it might be a specific piece of content, um, and obviously source and medium data. But the point here is, is that the URL parameter helps to give you more granular insight into how people are finding, your, whether it's your blog post, whether it's your homepage, or some other page on a site that you have access to the analytics information from.
1: And there are sites out there if URL parameters like, oh, that just sounds scary, or you look it up and you're like, what the heck? Um, Oh, my Minnesotan came out there. Uh, (laughs) You can find a few different websites that will actually kind of help you dummy put together that URL parameter. So you don't have to feel like you're trying to to code yourself. You can just type in the information that you know you want to track, and then it will populate that URL parameter for you.
0: Yeah, just search for custom URL builder. And I think Google's tool probably will come up in the number one spot and they can walk you through it. So yeah, it's really a lot easier than it sounds. A lot of this stuff is like jargon, jargon, jargon. But at the end of the day, if you just follow a a basic template, you can add that on pretty easily. Yes.
1: So after the URL parameters, kind of looking at Google Analytics, you want to set up goals from that. So what kinds of things do you think are some good goals, Guy?
0: So yeah, this comes back to that original objective, but let's assume that the objective is to track conversion and a conversion defined as someone contacts you to hire you. And so they might do that through a phone call on your website or blog. They might do it through submitting a contact form. You might have a kind of a, a softer approach with providing education and uh, getting someone to subscribe or download something for your site. So those are all, all those things that I just said. Phone call, form fill, download, some kind of other event that you actually have some meaning for your practice as a business. Those are the types of things that you want to configure a goal conversion for. And to me, the simplest goal conversion in analytics, again, go to Google Analytics, help documentation. They'll show you how to do this. It's not as hard as it sounds. The most standard ones that I tend to think about are events related to phone calls and goal conversions for a destination URL goal conversion. So when someone actually fills out a form and they get to a thank you page or they get to a specific URL, those are the ones that I tend to focus on. But you know there are all sorts of other goal conversions you might want to track. You might want to track just people clicking on your contact information page. Uh, you might want to track people reading a specific post that you're spending a lot of uh, money promoting or time promoting again, the thing for me is, is what are you trying to do? Because the other half of this is is that there are other marketing objectives that don't tie directly back to direct response that might be valuable. So just one example of that would be, hey, I want to track people signing up for my speaking engagement at a particular professional organization. You can track that kind of stuff too, a little bit more complicated, but the point being that not everything is just direct response. So for the you know, the lawyers that are out there listening, and they're like, "Well, you know, my clients don't just search, click, and call. There are other things that you might want to be tracking from a you know an objective standpoint that uh, don't relate to that kind of direct response advertising."
1: So, with all of these, uh, thinking about testing things, this is kind of taking me back to eighth grade science, where you create a hypothesis. You think, "Okay, if I spend." X number of dollars on pay-per-click advertising, I expect to get X result or five new clients this month, that sort of thing. So you create your hypothesis, you set your goal from that, and then you test it out. And you see what happens during that month that you have your goal set for. And then you get the results and see what really happened and see what you need to do from there. That's
0: right. That's right.
1: But one thing I know that comes with testing is this idea of failure. So one little tweak that I want to make to the idea of testing things and then if they don't pan out the way you wanted it to, that it's a failure. Think about your test as more of a possibility and that you're trying to do something new. It could work. It couldn't. But. The end result is really just what do you need to do next time instead of oh this didn't work.
0: Definitely, I mean, th- I think that that's a really good point because so many lawyers will look at well, they look at a lot of things this way, and you know, and when it comes to clients and protecting client confidences and you know all the professional obligations and those kind of things, yeah, lawyers should be very risk averse when it comes to th- their clients and protecting them. But I think they carry that risk aversion over to things like marketing and advertising and business development and all this other stuff that I think is probably a bit misplaced. And so, in the context of you know what you're talking about with creating experiments and, and failing, yeah, it's an opportunity to improve. You know, marketing and advertising, business development in general, running a business in general, it to a certain extent is a speculative endeavor at first, right? You don't know. You've got to try some stuff and see what works. Uh, I think the important thing is is that and this is why I think one of the messages we hope people take away is, is that if you're not testing, if you're not measuring, if you're not tracking, uh, you're going to try stuff and you're end up running in circles because you're going to be like, I think this worked because of this, but you don't really know because you didn't track anything. That's what I would hope people really take away from is, is that you're iterating towards improvement, You know, call it lean methodology, call it startup process, all those kind of fancy buzzwords that we hear a lot about in the tech industry. That can be applied to, certainly to internet marketing, but really to all of your client development processes and really to all of your business processes. And that's really what we're talking about here is how do you you know measure some of these things? How do you put together some of these experiments? And as you stated, much more eloquently than I have, not being afraid to fail and looking at it more as an opportunity for improvement.
1: Ah, very rarely do I get to hear that I'm eloquent. Thank you so much, Key.
0: You earned it. Oh,
1: thanks. So I want to kind of apply that testing methodology to social media ads and how people can kind of get started with those and plunge in. Because that's something that I'm really spending a lot of time learning more about these days. And so I'll focus my thought process on Facebook ads and their ad platform. Because when you go into the Facebook ad platform, it looks so complicated and it looks like there are all of these different things you could choose and different options but let's start with pretending we're creating a hypothesis that you want to get that you think facebook advertising is the place to try so you set a goal that you're going to get three clients this month from facebook so you go into the facebook ad campaign creator and you start creating a campaign well If you're looking to get clients from that specific ad campaign, you would want to try the lead generation, lead form campaign for Facebook ads. So one really great thing that Facebook has that LinkedIn, at least I I haven't seen that they they do a good job with this, is they allow you to do A-B testing. And especially for kind of the lead gen form, you can test the different creative that you're using, you can test the words that you're using, you can test up to 15 different images, if you have the budget for it, to see what kind of a reaction people will have to each of those different creatives. And then from there, once you run that test for a little while and are getting reactions from people, you can pare down the experiment and stick with the ones that are working and get rid of the images or the verbiage that isn't working. One thing to look for in Facebook ads is you want to make sure that when you're checking on your campaign and checking on your creative, you want to make sure that you have a high relevancy score. So that could be one of the goals that you have is to improve your relevancy score on every ad that you're running, which means that Facebook deems your ad to be more relevant to the market that you are targeting, which means that more people are going to see it, it's going to get higher results, on and on.
0: And you're going to pay less for it.
1: Exactly. All good things. So I would say to run a test like that for one to four weeks, and probably closer to four weeks, and see what kind of traction you get out of it, and see what you could do better. Take a look and see if people were clicking on the ad and then not filling out the form. If people weren't clicking at all, you would need to look at and see what are they not identifying with that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, I think those are some good tips. The one thing that I also people really need to take in consideration in, in any of the tests or any of the science that they're doing, is statistical significance, right? So uh, the length of your test might depend more upon the results than just the time or the money or the creative that you're spending in. And it's really important. You can go look up statistical significance. You can also, uh, there are statistical significance calculators. So you can search and say, you know, plug in some of your campaign information and then it'll spit out how statistically significant your result might be. But ultimately, statistical significance just means how reliable is the outcome from your experiment and really, really important because again, so step one was track it. Uh, So if you're not tracking, you start tracking, you're moving in the right direction. But beyond that, being able to rely on the results from your experiment really comes down to being able to prove something statistically significant. Because otherwise, again, you're going to make, you're going to draw false conclusions and that's not good.
1: Totally. One thing I just realized, Guy, is we say the word experiment differently.
0: Oh, how do you say it?
1: I say experiment. You You say it correctly? No, I don't know. And you say experiment.
0: Experiment. Experiment.
1: So odd. I don't know. Back to testing, analyzing, and insights. So um, one one next thing that I'm going to let you have a monologue here, Guy, is oh. keyword usage for advertising. So... I'll preface your monologue uh, that hopefully you will prepare for currently is that when I first started in marketing, you would like just go into your AdWords or your keywords and be like, oh, what do people want for the service that I provide? And you would just plop those little words into a hidden footer on your website or sprinkle them throughout the content on your website and you'd be good to go. That is not how this works anymore. So, monologue time gee
0: monologue time this actually might be more of a rant but i'll start with a story so i recently received an email from a friend who's a lawyer and i'm going to write more about this too because i think it's such a great example of kind of how we need to change thinking on a lot of this stuff but he wanted to he shared that he was on a probably a facebook group or some kind of board where a bunch of lawyers were having a conversation about paid search, PPC, AdWords, yada, yada, yada. And the discussion apparently got heated. I was not privy to the conversation, but there were two main points that he distilled things down to that I want to talk. And they'll, I'll eventually I'll tie this story back into tracking and keywords. But the first is, is that why don't lawyers just do this stuff themselves? And then two, why do paid search agencies get paid the way they do? So the point here is this. Most of the campaigns that I look at that lawyers run tend not to do any of the things that we've been talking about today. They're not tracking goal conversions. They're not tracking inquiries. They're not tracking fees. They're also not tracking even like basic conversion events like getting to a particular landing page. And one of the biggest things they do is they do things like, broad match the keyword attorney and then they run that for a certain amount of time and then they conclude that the internet doesn't work and AdWords doesn't work for getting clients and it's all broken and it's a waste of money and so the point here is is that this is why this testing and measurement is so important whether you do it yourself or whether somebody else is doing it for you because it's the only way you're gonna get back to actually measuring things like return on ad spend. So while you might start out with your hypothesis that I'm gonna to try to get 10 new clients and you're gonna work backwards from there. So where do you practice? Well, I tend to practice in this county or maybe if you're in a major metro, you're only practicing in the city. So that's going to inform you that one, you should only be doing geographic targeting in that area. And two, the keywords that you decide to bid on should be related to both your specific practice as well as your location. So for the example in my friend's story, instead of broad matching attorney, you might choose to do practice area plus attorney keyword. So maybe a divorce attorney, Or you might do, if you're in Chicago, you might say Chicago divorce attorney. And so now when you are tracking that uh, and you're using the, what's called the, if you're an AdWords person, the search terms report, you can actually see the specific queries that people use to find your ads. And then you're gonna be able to prune or optimize that by removing irrelevant keywords or putting negatives on your list or adjusting your bid strategy. But that's kind of the whole point here is in order for you to get the kind of results that you're looking for, you've got to start with this hypothesis. You have to have a measurement protocol in place. You have to be able to understand uh, what you're actually looking at. And then uh, eventually, you've got to be able to tie it back all the way down to a, hopefully, you're going to be able to tie it to a fee. And that fee is going to be several multiples more than what you spent to actually acquire that client.
1: Very good rant slash monologue. That was
0: ranty, but say la vie.
1: That's all right. Oh, you do know a little more French than you thought. So still on the keyword topic, I'm wondering if you have thoughts or feelings on really kind of niche down, really how granular, how specific should keywords get? And are you, uh, when you get really specific, like if you do not just city, but neighborhood, if you go... Mediation, divorce lawyer, Lincoln Park, Chicago. Is that too specific to really be able to test and measure?
0: No, I think it's important though. Like, and I don't want to. I don't want this to become a whole conversation about uh, keyword bids. But at the end of the day, you need to figure out which of your the keywords that you're bidding on are actually turning into phone calls, form fills, and ultimately fees. And so, you have to start somewhere. So you know you have this hypothesis that this keyword might be relevant, and I would certainly encourage people to experiment with uh, exper- experiment with <laughs> uh, local terms like counties, like cities, like neighborhoods, streets, zip codes at a local level. Those, if you service a local legal services consumer audience, you definitely want to be trying those. What you find a lot of times is that those very specific local keywords. Don't have the kind of volume that might be able to support your campaign needs, but that doesn't mean that, that in aggregate they won't. So if you add them all up, it might be worth it. But uh, some lawyers will qualify themselves out or optimize themselves into a box. So some lawyers will choose to choose very specific keywords to bid on. They know enough to that they can't do this broad matching stuff, so they'll exact match keyword, a very specific city practice area plus attorney keyword, or a zip code plus attorney or zip code plus practice area plus attorney. And then there's not enough search volume for those keywords to support the campaign. And so even though those those are great keywords to include, you don't want to analyze and optimize yourself into that kind of box. But you know, I think that because we're kind of going down the rabbit hole of AdWords, I think it might be worth trying to talk about testing, analyzing and measuring in other contexts. So, you know, one thing that people don't realize as well is is that this kind of premise, this kind of approach isn't limited just to the internet. So, if you do offline advertising, if you participate in speaking, there are ways in which you can measure and test and get feedback to improve for all of your different client development activities. So here's an easy one that I think a lot of people miss out on. But if you do a lot of speaking, if you're teaching, networking, one of the things that you should probably be doing is trying to find ways to get people to either sign up for something that you offer or tracking the signups. Or, you know, if you just meet people to get their opt-in permission for email lists, and you can take that and segment those lists so that you can see people that watched me speak at X opted into to this list and are now opening and clicking through to different messaging that I've provided online. And so it's not just the AdWords or the SEO or that kind of stuff that you can actually apply testing and analyzing to. You can do it in all aspects of your client development process.
1: Ooh, gee, it sounds like you're starting to get into the topic of lead tracking as well. I am. So let's get into it more. Um... All right, so talking about tracking people who you meet in person, what about phone calls and tracking your calls? I know that uh, you're a, a firm believer in, especially in call tracking, where you use a phone number that's tied to a specific account, like your Google My Business account has separate phone numbers than your website, so you know that when someone calls that phone number, they came from... X place.
0: Right. And so, you know, this goes back to what we talked about uh, near the beginning in having objectives and defining what working means is. Because one of the biggest pushbacks I get from lawyers is goes something like this. I've had this phone number for time out of mind. Everybody knows it. Sometimes they're vanity numbers. And so I would never use a tracking number. You know, that's great. Right. So if you're doing a branded phone number that everybody remembers. It's on your TV creative, it's on your business cards, it's on the side of buses, it's on benches, it's everywhere you go. And and your point, your objective there is to get people to, whenever they need a lawyer, to think of that number. Maybe you put a nice little song to it so that people can really remember it. That's one approach. I think that's, if that's working for you, great, keep doing it. However, if you're spending money on things like AdWords, if you're spending time on blogging or if you're doing social media ads or whatever, then it only makes sense that you start tracking phone calls to their specific sources so that you can measure things and say things like, oh, my time and money spent on this Facebook campaign generated a return in fees. Because if you don't track phone, if you just use your branded number there, you're never going to know that somebody called from a Facebook ad or a blog post or your Google My Business listing. And one other thing that I'll say before everybody goes out and destroys their name, address, and phone consistency in the local search ecosystem, buzzword, 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 is you have to be careful about how you implement call tracking numbers. I've mentioned this before. I'm a big fan of CallRail. CallRail uses dynamic number insertion. They have a bunch of nice features that I think lawyers could probably benefit from. But at the end of the day, it comes back to that objective. If your objective is to spend a lot of money and be the person, the lawyer that everybody thinks of when they need a lawyer because of a phone number and a song, then you probably need to think about a branded vanity number. But if you're spending money, if you want granularity, if you want to track things like return on ad spend from a direct response campaign, then you need to be thinking about call tracking and connecting those calls back to your CRM or database or however you're actually tracking fees.
1: And part of analyzing and insights for this lead tracking element is or can be incorporated in a CRM or your client relationship management system, whatever it is that you use to keep track of these people, where they came from, and then what happens to them after they come to you. Because one insight that you can get from lead tracking down the line is where you're getting quality leads from. And if you're getting people who are contacting you because they remember your vanity number, but those aren't actually good potential clients, or you're not seeing the return on investment, then you might want to, or you might be able to rethink that vanity number and go with a different marketing method.
0: Right. That's, I mean, you know, I think the other quote that always comes up is that John Wanamaker quote about, I know half of my advertising is working. I just don't know which half. And so the tracking and the analysis is the only way that you're going to be able to make an informed decision about the time and money that you're spending on various client development activities.
1: Absolutely. Guy, do you have anything else to add to testing, analyzing, and insights for legal marketing? Or did we probably explode all of our listeners' brains just with what we talked about there? Yeah,
0: I think there was probably a lot of brain exploding. There's probably a lot of jargon. I I think that if listeners are going to take away anything, it's that if you're going to spend time and money on client development, you need to put some systems and processes in place to be able to test, track, and analyze what you're doing. And there are a variety of ways to do it. But hopefully, if you take nothing else away, this gets you in the mindset of thinking about how you can actually start to test and measure some of this stuff so that you know you can get better results out of it iterate towards an improved result
1: absolutely go do some science experiments on your marketing people
0: science time kid bits
1: thank you everyone for tuning in to the reboot of lunch hour legal marketing please make sure to like share and leave us a review on apple Podcasts.
0: all right everybody thanks for joining us but lunch is over so get back to
2: work